Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi there, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and across the Six Nations as Europe's elite go head-to-head in rugby's oldest international competition. Each week, we'll be looking at the QBE predictor, which forecasts the results of each round of matches. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe now and download wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Mark Blunden and this is The Leader. Britain's shaky economy is heading for recession as new data reveals a fall in GDP. It comes as former Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng popped up in his first television interview since being sacked and shifted the blame onto his former political soulmate, the ex-Prime Minister Liz Truss. Even after the mini-budget, we were going at breakneck speed. And I said, um, you know, we should slow down. Slow down. And what did she say? And she said, well, I've only got two years. And I said, you'll have two months if you carry on like this. And that's, I'm afraid, what happened. Um, And that was something that I said to her. Uh, uh, in October, after the mini-budget. Speaking on Talk TV's first edition, he also criticised the then-PM's decision to let him go for implementing her tax-cutting agenda. You know, I'm responsible. I'm not going to wash my hands with it. I was Chancellor of the Exchequer. I was also uh, part of the the top team. Um, But looking back, I think we could have had a more measured approach. It comes as Office for National Statistics data shows output dropped by 0.2% from July to September. Friday's data doesn't mean Britain is quite in recession, as the technical definition is two consecutive quarters of falling GDP, but it certainly feels like it, right? And the Evening Standard's reporting an increasing likelihood the fourth quarter will see another dip after the surge in interest rates triggered by Kwarteng's disastrous mini-budget in September. Now we're joined by the Evening Standard's Deputy Political Editor David Bond. David, what do you make of the timing of this quasi-Kwarteng interview? Well, hi, Mark. Well, I guess that the timing is to do with the autumn statement, which is next Thursday, which will make difficult listening for Kwasi Kwarteng and Liz Truss, because the whole point of this autumn statement will be to try and correct the mistakes, which even they acknowledge they they made. So it's going to be a difficult few days for them as those mistakes are unpicked. And Jeremy Hunt, the new Chancellor, or not so new now, but uh, person who took over from Kwarteng will try and restore confidence in in the economy. So one suspects that um, knowing that that's coming, that his reputation is going to be further damaged by the changes, the announcements, the unwinding of everything that they announced at the end of September next week. 
that he was trying to probably get his defence in first and also to try and distance himself a bit from that disastrous mini budget which triggered financial market turmoil and led to the fall of Liz Truss's administration. What's your take on the political manoeuvring here as he gives Liz Truss a bit of a dig? I suspect that he's trying to kind of not necessarily throw uh, Truss under under the bus completely uh, but you know he does say and I think this is the key takeaway he does make it clear that he told Truss that things were moving too fast, that he was trying to urge her to be more cautious, but that she was the one who was very much the driving force and that he couldn't understand why he was sacked for implementing the policies which she'd spent the summer talking about in that leadership election. So clearly a lot of bitterness, even though he says that they're still friends, but he does say that she was mad to fire him and that she herself would only last three or four weeks if she did. And of course, that's what happened because within days she was gone. Do you make of the tone of the answers any kind of mayor Well, there's no apology. That's the first thing to point out. There is clearly a sense of regret at what happened at the sort of financial meltdown which followed. But he now says that a lot of that damage has been repaired in terms of the financial markets. He says, you know, guilt yields are back to where they were before the mini budget and the interest rates were always going to rise. And he points out that the scale of the debt that Jeremy Hunt is now trying to deal with wasn't caused by 44 days of his chancellorship or or Liz Truss's uh, time in, in power. So he is trying to defend his record, try and start the long road of repairing his uh, reputation. How have the markets reacted since his departure? Well, markets are definitely calmer. They've been reassured by the unwinding of those tax cuts, which were announced by Quarting and Trust. Uh, Jeremy Hunt has, since he came into office, and don't forget he was appointed by Liz Trust. And, uh, and was briefly working with her before she resigned. And Rishi Sunak kept Hunt in place. Hunt has made all the right noises to the city and to the financial markets that he is going to make sure that the UK pays its way again on Friday morning, speaking to broadcasters following the uh, the latest gloomy figures from the ONS on GDP. He was again laying the ground for, for next week's autumn statement, making it clear that very difficult decisions lie ahead that eye-wateringly difficult decisions needed to be taken to repair the public finances, but that it was absolutely right that the country had to to make those decisions. And with a bit of hindsight now, what was the real impact of Kwarteng's mini-budget? Interest rates were already going to rise. The Bank of England has been raising interest rates for a while, and certainly before the mini-budget, they were priced in that these the rates would rise, and that was going to make life extremely hard for uh, homeowners, all because inflation is uh, at 10% and could rise uh, a bit higher. So, I think a lot of the sort of fundamental uh, problems with the economy were there before the mini budget. But the point is, is that that mini budget sort of poured fuel onto the fire. And so he can't, no matter how much he wants to try and rewrite that, get away from the fact that what they did really spooked the financial markets and has made the situation worse. It's definitely exacerbated it. How are Labour navigating all this? Well, this is really, really interesting, Mark, because it is a really, really difficult challenge for Keir Starmer and Labour as to how they manage expectations around the economy if they do win the election, which we expect to be in possibly the first half of 2024. The difficulty for Labour is that this awesome statement next week, because Jeremy Hunt needs to set out a a medium term plan for reducing the national debt, 
And so cutting spending, right, raising taxes in a period which goes beyond that next 2024 election. What Keir Starmer and Rachel Reeves, the shadow chancellor, have to do is work out whether they are going to sign up to that plan and tell voters, look, we understand the problems with the economy, that we need to get things back on track. And therefore, we are going to commit to the same tax and spending plans that this Conservative government potentially will leave them. And is Sakir Starmer offering an economic silver bullet to put everything right? They're then going to have to say to people, well, you may think that actually a Labour government means more public spending. We're going to fix the NHS in an even bigger way. We're going to put more money into health. We're going to put more money into this, more money into that to really strengthen public services, which, of course, any Labour government would normally do. And Keir Starmer and all the shadow cabinet have all talked about strengthening public services. But Keir Starmer will have to manage expectations on that. He won't be able to go in saying, I'm going to wave a magic wand and suddenly turn around the economy and pump a load of money into public services. So that's that's a really difficult one. for him. I don't think there is a silver bullet to answer your question directly. So far, what Starmer has focused on is on the idea of sort of new green industries. So talking about how you create new jobs and drive economic growth through doubling down on investment in new green technology, green energy and that sort of thing. And I think that will definitely be a big part of the Labour cell. But as I say, there is no silver bullet. And the challenge for them is how do they manage expectations around uh, the economy should they win power? And finally, David, is Kwasi Kwarteng ghosting Liz Truss? In the interview with Talk TV, he did say that uh, he and and Liz Truss were still friends. They spoke around a week ago, but for some reason he then mentions this, that he hadn't returned a missed call, which he didn't need to do. He could have just said, yeah, we spoke last week and everything's fine between us. You know, it's been a difficult time or whatever. He didn't say that. So it was quite weird. But I imagine that over time, it's hard to see at the moment a way back for either of them into, into government, right? So... The question is, is really what they both do next? What role Liz Truss carves out for herself as a former prime minister, even though it was only for you know 50 days or so? And whether Kwasi Kwarteng sees his future as an MP or whether he might go into the city or, or whatever. And I think until, until they've sort of worked that out, it's hard to see how they can sort of rebuild their friendship in public or their political partnership in public. Let's go to the ads coming up. ONS data analysis and more on the factors driving this recession forecast. That's with the New Economics Foundation. Why not hit rate and follow in the meantime? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Now let's get into those ONS figures suggesting what we'd all feared that we're lumbering towards what the Bank of England forecasts could be the longest recession since records began. We're joined by Alfie Sterling, Director of Research and Chief Economist at the New Economics Foundation. Alfie, could you break down the latest ONS data for us? What we've been told most recently is that the three months up till September this year has seen a dip 
in overall economy-wide income and spending, so a, a dip in GDP. And that's over that quarter, those three months. And in September in particular, as a month-on-month change, had a particularly large fall. And that comes off the back of the, the three months before that, the second quarter of this year during the spring, of very low and slow growth. So technically, that doesn't mean we're in a recession yet, because the, usually the technical definition of recession is two consecutive quarters of, of falling income and spending. But we've had a slowing down in the economy during the spring and now a dip through the summer into the early autumn. And so it looks like we may be, we may be about to embark on a, on a technical recession. And what are the factors driving this? Talking about what's driving that is also similar to what does it actually mean for individual families, because I think many people will already feel like that we're in recession for all intents and purposes. Things are really tough. You know, prices are rising um, and crucially are rising much faster than people's earnings and income. And people will feel like life is getting harder. Economic life is getting harder, which is what people normally associate with recession. And actually, that's true. And it does feel like that. And it's extremely tough. And that, in fact, is what is, if you like, driving the headline statistics. So this is one of those where actually the lived experience is probably a bit ahead. Because if you look at the ONS data, what has caused this most recent dip, this most recent dip in GDP is essentially consumer spending falling. And the reason for that is, you know, people are still spending all their money and just as much as before, but they're getting less for it because prices have risen. And that affects obviously both families and individuals and what they're getting for their money, having to make, having to, you know, make sacrifices, uh, in some cases, really severe sacrifices, whether it's, you know, heating a home or, or putting food on the table, but certainly everyone is getting less for the same amount of money. But that also means that the quantity of things that the economy is buying and selling and producing is less for the same amount of money. And that is why we're seeing a dip in overall GDP. So what's the economic outlook? The outlook, let's forget what government does next week at the autumn statement, but the outlook without that is really tough already. So the Bank of England produced forecasts uh, last week, and they showed that we may be heading for the longest recession since modern records begun. And that's because of this elevated inflation um, and the fact that the Bank of England has been raising interest rates to try and contain that. That's pushing the economy into a long, a long lasting recession, as well as, you know, the, all the fragilities that we had going into this period from COVID, public health being disrupted, people being unable to work, and also a decade of austerity and, you know, suppressed real earnings, lack of public investment. So it does look really quite bleak in terms of the the outlook we're facing. How is our domestic situation different to the rest of the world? What is different about the UK situation is one is that we had a tougher decade before COVID than many other countries. You know, we could have we could hardly have been less well prepared. You know, we we're in a situation where average earnings hadn't hadn't recovered the financial crisis. We had very low productivity compared to other countries. We had a health system that was already being tipped into crisis routinely by seasonal flu, which other countries had much more slack in those health systems. So we we already were weak coming into this, weak in other countries. And then I think on top of that, uh, the second thing is that our central bank, the Bank of England, has moved much more aggressively. It moved earlier and faster than many other countries in raising interest rates. And what that does is it suppresses the economy in an attempt to try and reduce inflation. And that has also made things much worse. How much of this is fallout from COVID? A lot of this is COVID-driven, a big portion of it. And the two things I would sort of pull out as being most important are the fact that across the world, supply chains were disrupted from COVID. You know, factories shutting, transport networks closing down, and that caused bottlenecks 
their short shortages and therefore price rises. So that's very specific to COVID and affected everyone around the world. Then again, in the UK specifically, there's a particular problem of long-term absenteeism from the labour market, people being unable to work because of ill health. A bit of that is long COVID, but actually a lot of that is the bottleneck and waiting times in the NHS and the cancelled operations during COVID, which is now coming back and we're trying to work through and people are, you know, are waiting painfully long time to get op- to have get operations done, etc., which is then having an effect on the economy because people can't work. What can we expect from Hunt's autumn budget statement? I think there's a real danger that far from helping us get through it and out of it, there's a real danger that the autumn statement compounds this recession because when you're going through a period of the economy struggling, it's actually very important for the public balance to make up the difference, absorb some of that shock, support family incomes, you know, whether it's increasing universal credit, income support, capping prices, whatever it might be, to get the economy through it and then pay back once you're once you've recovered. But it looks like we may be about to do the very opposite with tax rises and spending cuts despite the fact we're about to move into recession. And all else being equal, that will make things worse, not better, than even what the Bank of England were forecasting last week. There's more on these stories in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. We're back on Monday at 4pm.